Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast, your home for all things Chelsea FC. Nick, Dan, and myself cover all the match reviews from the latest Chelsea matches. We cover the team news and even throw you some exclusive interviews. Thank you already for being an awesome listener. And you know what? Let's jump right in. Welcome back, Chelsea fans, to another episode of the London Is Blue podcast, bringing you back I'm your host, Brandon. Joining me is always Dan and Nick. Gentlemen, it's it's good to be back. It's I know I've, I've been a little absent of late. I know I've uh, not met all of my commitments, as you guys like to remind everybody when I'm not there. Yep. Uh, yep. Nick, Dan, appreciate you guys' support <laughs> in this time. <laughs> we, 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 we certainly would never talk shit about you behind your back um, on shows that you could then listen to later, so... You don't, you don't call, you don't write, no. yeah. you don't yeah. text, oh you just go. no show. It's just really no just show. unprofessional. Man. Well, that changed quickly. Anyways, yeah. we're going to go ahead and move it on from this Sobfest uh, to, to introducing our guest, uh, Mike Ruiz, joining us back again from ESPN and Levitard show. Welcome, Mike. Hi. Honored to be a, a return guest, guys. Thank you for having me. You can uh, start your your tracking your caps as well, so we can get an all-time appearance list going here soon. Now, now to be fair, we did just have, uh, we're going to have Joe Tweeds on for part two and three this week. You have a little ways to go uh, to catch up to Joe, but uh, but you're working your way in, Mike, and we appreciate that. I'm just waiting to get the captain's armband from Fowler. <laughs> oh, I love that. We should we should make one of those. That's actually really smart. Damn it. All right. Well, add that to the never-ending idea list. Uh, but again, yeah, super pumped to have you back. I know uh, the first time you're here, I missed uh, that episode, not to start a trend or anything. But anyways, uh, it sounds like we will be in London around the same time, might even be able to meet up. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, Dan, moving on to you and your iTunes reviews, just flooded the script with all of these, man. What do we have going on here? Yeah, mana from heaven in the terms of five-star reviews. Did Walton Dash from the USA. I was pretty excited about the fact that Chelsea crushed Man City. It was wonderful. We all enjoyed that as well. We had Ryan Vandeville from Canada, who was talking a little bit about Christensen, asked some questions there. You're going to want to listen to the podcast we did with Joe Tweeds. We had Stu Logan 22 and uh, said that he knew when we were not mentioning a former goalkeeper's name that he had found the right podcast. Oh, man. <laughs> Wonder who might he be talking about. Tom hmm. Freakin 13, and also from the USA, also talking about how West Coast kickoffs suck and was throwing some love to our friend. Mike Flynn, who's uh, not on this episode today, but representing Seattle. We had A. Silver as well from the U.S., David Feiner from the U.S., and then a really cool one, Julian Asensit. Well, now we've lost him completely. Yeah, but here's what... You butchered his name. Yeah, I did. I butchered it. That's going to be my new nickname. This really embodying the Daniel Day-Lewis. Anstey. It's Anstey. Yeah, you got it. And uh, a season ticket holder for Chelsea, 25 years, and just, you know, listens to us when they go and walk their dog. 
in the evening, and that's really, really cool. So uh, very nice to connect with, uh, you know, a different kind of generation of Chelsea supporter and uh, also from the UK, which is always exciting. So as always, leave a five-star review on iTunes. Bam! We talk about it in the beginning of the show. Love it. Especially the international flavor that we have going. Uh, it's not just about us being American or you in the UK. There are millions of us around the world. So, so cool to be touching so many different people around the world. Uh, from Patreon, a massive shout out to Devin G., uh, and Christian Turi, both of you joining the Patreon party that we have going on. Just post a little video the BBC did about Maurizio Sari and kind of his humble beginnings. Uh, it's just a good place for us to just continuously have a conversation between matches. So again, go check it out. New rewards coming soon. Uh, all right. Well, with that being said, before we jump into the meat of the script, as always, we are going to jump into a couple quick ads. <laughs> All right, so you're listening to this podcast right now, London is Blue, and guess what? We host our podcast on Anchor.fm. That's right. If you're looking to host your own podcast, this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool that allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right. Don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Okay, the second um, ad that we want to talk about is actually really cool. So in addition to code London pod getting you 10% off at classic football shirts.co.uk, as, as you've heard for a few weeks now, uh, we are, you know, we've referenced this um, that we might have a couple of sneaky contests or promotions, and we are going to do one of those uh, over the next like week or so. Um, so this is going to be our millionth download uh, contest. And we're really excited that we uh, were able to surpass a million total downloads in September. We didn't, I think we were still in shock. We didn't really know what to do with that number, honestly. Um, so uh, we, we knew we wanted to give back in a way to our fans. And so Classic Football Shirts has been awesome. And they gave us a 2014-15 yellow um, signed uh, ASP kit to give away. So that's really awesome. Uh, you'll have to watch our Twitter and Instagram. Uh, by the time this downloads, we should have some some stuff up detailing the contest. But essentially, follow us, follow Classic Football Shirts on both platforms. Uh, comment on the post that you see uh, and uh, give your favorite Aspie tribute as he just surpasses 300th appearance for the club and just signed a new deal. Use the hashtag LondonIsBlue1M, so 1 million. And, uh, and we're just really pumped about this, guys. Like, we were... Never in our wildest dreams were we ever going to surpass a million downloads. We did that in September. Uh, we're celebrating it now, and we're just really grateful to everyone uh, who's decided to uh, tune in and uh, and support our show over the years. So wanted to do a little something to give back. Right. It just helps having a partner to help enrich that giving back to the community, uh, which are all of you, and you are all amazing. All one million of you. No, I'm just kidding. Anyways... Uh, before we, I know I said this last time and I'm so sorry, jump into the actual match review. It is related, uh, but I guess we just want to remind everybody with a lot of the discussion um, on both sides, the media and the fans right now about the racism uh, at Chelsea. And again, this isn't a Chelsea problem, society, it's a human problem, but um, I know Dan you put out a tweet. Nick, you've put out a tweet. Uh, I've retweeted in uh, support of all of that. I know we've obviously reminded you guys that we did the the series with Amity and Dan Levine at the beginning of the season, specifically talking about racism and anti-Semitism. And again, we're not here to, to point the finger and, and start a blame game. I'd say we just want to remind everybody that it exists, that we don't support it, that we don't like it and that football is an, should be an inclusive sport. Um, it is heartbreaking to know that there are those in our community uh, that partake in some of these things. And we just, you know, instead of pointing the finger at, oh, well, what about X club? What about X group? 
Um, you know, we should really take pride in, in our friends and our group and say, hey, uh, we've eradicated it. Um, we want to be the shining light, essentially, of Premier League clubs saying we've got our act together. I know the club do the rainbow laces. Uh, obviously, there's a huge say no to anti-Semitism campaign going on. Um, I don't know. It, look, history will write itself. Uh, we have an option right now. We have a choice, all of us, to decide what side of that we want to be on. And, um, you know, Nick, I guess uh, we just want to make it very clear which side we are on, right? Absolutely. Right. I mean, it's, you know, we were talking right before the show. It's absolutely fucking ridiculous that we have to do this for the fifth time this season already. Um, we did a series this summer that was really uncomfortable to record, and it was an introspective. It was looking at the club. It was using people like Paul Cannaville. Uh, and others to tell stories about uh, times at Chelsea that were not great um, back in back in the 70s and 80s. And, uh, you know, we, we think it's pretty obvious that, you know, the, the small minority of people who are um, out there making statements or, or, you know, using flags with, you know, terrible symbolism and and everything else uh, are, are, you know, the worst of us. And like they should be called out. They should be. Uh, chastised they should be embarrassed uh, and it's unfortunate that you know Chelsea's you know as as a holistic club is being you know kind of shine the light on for for some of these incidents but it's also you know it's what we have to do I guess until we we get this thing right Dan yeah Fabregas actually talked about that point after the midweek match and Reference the fact that it is something that is not just a problem with Chelsea it is a problem within Chelsea at the moment, but it is a larger problem across, you know, all of football and just a world issue. And that, you know, if it does need to be, you know, Chelsea as an example right now and for us to learn and to help change minds and help motivate the people to the left of us or the people to the right of us to take a, a song or take a, a word and help them understand some of the context about why that's not okay. And, you know, I think even today, you know, you look at some of the people reporting on this, and you know, I think our friend Dan Levine gets probably the most flack for this. And you know, I think that's a guy who has a lot of, you know, is putting himself out there and has put the 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 target on him for being someone who has really tried to highlight this issue. And I think people ask a couple of questions of him: is what you know, why does he not? talk about other related issues. Why does he not talk about other related clubs? I mean, he is a Chelsea beat reporter. I mean, he is going to be very narrowly focused in that. And, you know, I think maybe there is a great, you know, pitch to him or an opportunity for him to expand the work he's doing in this regard. But ultimately it's, he's not reporting it to, you know, make life difficult for Chelsea. You know, he just wants the world to be a better place. And I think we would all want the world to be that better place that, you know, he's talking about and that we're talking about. And the fact that, you know, Chelsea supporters, quote unquote, would you know, throw death threats at him on, on Twitter and talk about how they're going to beat him up heading to a match. It just really just is the worst type of thing. And, you know, you can kind of be assured that we will continue to use this platform and all platforms that we have, our personal social media accounts, the accounts for the podcast to help shine a light on the great work the club is doing, because I think that's going amiss in all of this is that there is some amazing things like the anti-Semitism campaign, our work with Kick It Out, our work with Building Bridges, our work with Rainbow Laces, that we have done so much as a club to try to push things forward. And for a truly minority fringe element of this club to get so much publicity is just idiotic. So uh, we would ask you to join us in helping to stamp it out. And I just want to give Janique, who's who's been a longtime listener of our of our show, just a shout because, I mean, not only is she a person of color, but she also you know commented on one of my tweets yesterday, which was, you know, essentially the what aboutism. So she said the what aboutism is is the worst take. I don't care about what Spurs or any other club does. We have to fix the problems on our own and and clean up our own house. It's one hundred percent accurate. Like. You know, it just because, you know, when you're a little kid, your your brother or sister does something stupid and you do something stupid doesn't mean that it cancels each other out. Right. So, you know, let's just be smart about this. And, you know, we, we've had a, a lot of support on this show uh, for the for the episodes that we were able to record. Uh, we're going to continue to take that mantle forward and uh, 
you know, be rest assured that, you know, for the journalists who are covering the show, I mean, we will we will always support that, even if it's really uncomfortable for us as fans. All right. We can take this offline if we need. You know where to find us. Uh, I promise we will engage. So now match review time. The opponent was Brighton Hove Albion hanging out at the Premier League Stadium, Amex Stadium. It was this past Sunday, December 16th. In case you missed it, Brighton 1, Chelsea 2. That's right, folks. Keep the win train rolling. Uh, Dan, lineup time. Any spoilers or are we just going to roll through the usual? Well, you might be surprised because we did talk with our friend Nazar Kinsella in the last episode about how this lineup of having Eden Hazard play in the false nine or play as the focal point of the attack was something we might see against top six opponents, teams that were going to match us with possession. Well, we were wrong. We were dead, dead wrong because we saw Keppa starting goal. We had Rudiger, Alonso, Azpilicueta, Luis, the back four, Jorginho, Conte, Kovacic comes back from a little bit of a midweek knock. And then and Hazard Central, flanked by William and Pedro. We had Willie Caballero on the bench, who has not had to really enjoy any work this season. Great way to collect a paycheck. Andreas Christensen, Emerson, Seth Fabregas were all on the bench, but unused. And we did see Ross Barkley, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, and Olivier Giroud, who all came in as substitutes. But I think the uh, the initial shock, Mike, of seeing Hazard again was maybe a little just a bit of a surprise to me because I didn't think we would kind of bring the, pull that one forward again so quickly. I thought that uh, using Hazard as a false nine was sort of uh, a response to just how overwhelming Man City was, and it was just uh, a fresh twist on something that didn't actually work out for Antonio Conte's version of Chelsea. It uh, worked against Man City, um, even though if you look at uh, how City controlled that game, it, it sort of seemed eerily similar but then Chelsea just started scoring and they got contributions from guys that people wanted contributions from all season long uh in Louise and uh, in Golo Conte I was surprised to see it against uh Brighton this would seem to be I think Chelsea is most effective uh if they have a striker who can produce and net the goals it doesn't seem like they have one of those so the best remaining option is this false nine approach i think hazard probably uh controls the game more this way even though we don't uh, necessarily see the goal scoring output that we saw earlier in the season from uh the left side um but it's working right now and it seems to be the best of uh options that uh aren't exactly informed to say the least I think, you know, the funny thing is we'd go back and forth of, oh, should we play the false nine? Should we play with Olivier Giroud? Um, Unfortunately, these days we don't really talk about any other options. But kind of my point is, at the end of the day, you just want to get the three points. And if this is what Maurizio Sarri thought was the best approach to get the three points, I think that's really interesting. Uh, We've got a lot more matches to go, obviously, back in the Carabao Cup later in the week. Um, But, hey, he's... um, he's sticking with it a little bit. Uh, you know, maybe he just wants to give it some more reps. I thought the team did really well today because they weren't under, you know, is the same kind of pressure city, right? Like this false nine approach is much more on the front foot than obviously against city. Wait, Brandon, are you saying that Brighton is? Not well, as good as city? look with all due respect. <laughs> no, Brighton have had some insanely good home form this season. So, right. So have Manchester City. Yeah, yeah cool. <laughs> <laughs> like context here. Now, let me run it down. Cool. So uh, Chelsea with uh, a measly 58% possession on the road. Actually, only three shots on target, but they did get a total of 10. Uh, 828 touches, 650 passes. A lot less clearances today. Not 30, like against City. Uh, but still managed four offside. So I see a nice little XG map for Brighton, Chelsea, Dan, anything over the top obvious that you want to touch on before we roll into the, uh, the goals? Well, Chelsea were meeting their expected goal total, which is fantastic. So, uh, you know, the expected goal 0.5 for Brighton and then 1.9 for Chelsea. So, uh, nothing too crazy and both what they would identify as the biggest shot opportunities ended up being goals. So, uh, you know, we've seen a couple times this season where we've created the biggest chance and the targeting systems have misfired. 
um, spark in the system, a little bit of a computing problem. Thanks, uh, Skywalker. <laughs> All right. So the goal's time, 17th minute kicking us off. It was Pedro at the beginning, uh, assist to Ednazard Nick. Man, how much did you like that one? It, it was just beautiful. Um, it was one of the the goals that you see Liverpool or City score on the regular. Uh, so it was really nice that we were able to get one for ourselves. Uh, it was totally justified. We had controlled the the early part of the game pretty well. And, uh, and you know, I think Eden Hazard, especially in the first half, was it looked like he was on early season form. Uh, you know, he was able to turn a couple of defenders in the box, put a perfect and inch-perfect pass uh, through. Pedro was uh, onside uh, for the goal. Um, it, it can be argued that maybe there could have been a uh, – uh, a shout for offside due to um, kind of shielding off um, the opportunity from the keeper, but um, it was not given and Pedro was able to finish really easily one nil. Yeah. That pass beat so many players. That was a phenomenal pass uh, from Eden uh, moving to the 33rd minute, Mike, uh, this time Eden Azard on the score sheet assist to everyone's favorite winger to hate William. <laughs> it was a good game. Uh, from William, um, obviously he's one of the more polarizing, uh, members, but this is, this is the center forward and Saudi Bob controlling the game. Uh, once again, Hazard's just such a brilliant player with each passing week and each patch, uh, passing fixture, you get more and more concerned, uh, as he continues his public flirtation, uh, with Real Madrid, which is at this point, he's just twisting the knife. Each time, uh, yeah, a, a really. I mean, look, it's Brighton, but it's uh, in a way fixture, and uh, off of such an emotional game, this is such a letdown spot, and it's good to be boosted by players like uh, William and Pedro in spots like this. This is why you still have them on the roster, um, and this is when they need to step up, uh, and they did. And it uh, wasn't easy in that sec- in that second half, especially. So you needed this sort of performance from those guys. Yeah, Mike. I think the key on this one was that the high press worked effectively, um, and not for the first time this season. It was a quick turnover, and I actually don't know where Eden Hazard found that speed, uh, but he completely ran away from their entire backline. It was very impressive. The speed is an aspect of, of his game. Um, that he doesn't flash all that much, at least on the club level. He's more just this sort of brute strength and uh, unmatched balance and just a uh, a pit bull. It uh, it was a little uh, it was a little crazy to see him flash that speed. It's almost you sort of forget that this dude has that in him. But he certainly also seems like he's rounding into a better shape, despite the knocks. Uh, that he's had. Um, I'm not sure he entered the season in the best of shape. Not that he's ever been that sort of player that needs to be, you know, world-class level fitness, but uh, it does seem as though we're seeing a, a more fit Eden Hazard. Yeah, man likes his hamburgers. That's all we need to remember. Yeah. I, I just want to point out uh, from William's standpoint, uh, that was an amazing heads up play. You have to remember he was gifted the ball. Surprisingly, uh, most players would have caught them off guard and they would have taken a second to pick their head up. He received that ball with his head up, realized Eden was in on goal, and he received and released that ball so quickly. Brighton never stood a chance. So, look, credit where credit is due. William, that was a, a massive heads-up play that I think a lot of um, fans will actually miss understanding just how tough that is. Uh, and then, Dan, giving you the cherry on top in 66 minute here, uh, Solly March assist Bernardo. Yeah, I actually say Solly March. What happened? Well, Come on, man. <laughs> uh, well, no, I was going to say, Solly March actually was one of the most threatening players for all of Brighton the entire match. So uh, if it was going to be somebody, uh, that was a, a good shout for who would be the person to let the goal through. Obviously, Keppa looked a, a little disappointed with the performance from some of the defenders in the, the box. Uh, we're not going to point individual fingers, but it really changed the whole dynamic of the game. We had gone through... The first half, really in cruise control, not being pressure. There were times where we were just almost walking the ball out of the back, and Brighton really didn't know what to do with us, and that just gave them the you know the shot of adrenaline to the chest, and they came back for the next you know 
25, 30 minutes and really tried to, to put it to us. So I, you know, credit to them for not giving up. It was a terrible, terrible goal to give away. And you know what? Uh, we don't have to see Brighton for a while. So that's exciting. I mean, it was just, it was a terrible second half though, right? Like the, the team let their foot off the gas, not for the first time this season again, And, you know, it made really hard work of a game that could have been 3-0, 4-0 easy. And, you know, I think, you know, I tweeted this out after the game, but I think that is probably the area, you know, beyond some of like the the sorry ball technical stuff that he works on in training. That's probably the area that Maurizio Sarri has to figure out is the mentality thing. Why can Chelsea look so good in one moment, Brandon, and that moment being the first half and then look so completely either disinterested or uh, just terrible um, in the second half. And it's, you know, partly due to Brighton playing better, but there's a mental thing happening. I'm not sure what's going on. So that's a good question. I mean, it's obviously, well, it's also the first question in our script, uh, which you were supposed to be answering. So thank you for taking over my job. Um, You got it. No, you know, so Liam. Hey, you, hey, you go away. You go away sometimes. Okay. (laughs) And we have to step up. It's not easy. What you ask, but we do it. (laughs) You're not my real dad, Brandon. You're not my real dad. That's true. Come on, Um, get Maury in here. So, (laughs) Liam Toomey of ESPN FC UK and very close friend of the pod. He actually tweeted that this is an example of why there's no easy match in the Premier League. So it's kind of weird. Like he's saying that look, Brighton fought. Like they were, they, they made something happen. And a lot of us as Chelsea fans are sitting there going. You know, I, I don't see it as neutral perspective as that. I'm very biased. I'm sitting here thinking, why wasn't it 3 nothing? Why wasn't it 4-1? Why was it a closer match than what it should have been? Um, you know, and to me, I think part of it is just, um, I mean, as a player, it is easy to get up for the big games. But, I mean, it was just a simple lapse. It was, you know, Aspie didn't win the first header. Louise wasn't ready for the ball to come across. Uh, Sully March literally just wrapped his foot around him and poked it in from close range. You know, I just, I think it was a bit of a lapse. And, you know, obviously we've heard Maurizio talk about um, the, probably the, the mental strength is something that this team needs to work on. I think that's just a case of what it is. Uh, you know, the good news though, at the end of the day is, Look, Dan, it's it's a sloppy three points, but it's three points, and we saw a little a lot of bright stuff going forward. So, you know, without getting too much into the weeds of maybe the the mistake or the mental lapse kind of at the end, I think I still think there's a lot more going forward that outweighs the negatives. Obviously obviously the scoreline shows that. Yeah, definitely. I think what we also are getting the opportunity to to see is that there are certain players when they're brought on who can shift the dynamic of a game a little bit. You know, we saw that with Ruben Loftus-Cheek coming on today and some of the things he was doing, even the right wing, which I think we would all look at him as getting an opportunity to really flourish as a midfielder. But in the absence of individuals he trusts fully in the Premier League, Maurice Hissari has you know, deputized Ruben underneath you know, either William or Pedro to come in and play the third forward attacker and you know that that's the type of thing the type of substitutions you think about Callum Hudson-Odoi getting to the point where he could come on in a Premier League match you know Ethan Ampadu coming in and those are the type of things I think you want to talk about mentality shifts or the ability to keep the pedal on the the gas and not just worry about fuel economy for the season you know you need to kind of put some nice kind of injections in there and that would be I think a little bit of youth a little bit of pace and things that are really gonna force opposition teams to play a different different type of Chelsea when we move through and you know I don't know if you see anything different Mike or have a thought around where where you think this Chelsea team can recover some of this I think mental fortitude to not kind of lapse at the you know tail end of games. I is it fair to say that Saudi is still trying to figure this out? We're midway through the year, but I, I'm not so sure it's about mental fortitude as it is that we kind of have a weird roster. Um, we have a weird roster, especially for this sort of philosophy, this style uh, of Saudi and. 
in trying to figure things out and, and find lineups, you're going to have things that sort of look like listless performances sometimes as you try to find the right combination. Um, you're picking the right spots to play around with things in the Carabao Cup and against Brighton. Um, but all in all, I'm, I'm pretty thrilled with how this season's gone. And I'm all for just sort of having some growing pains because right now they're three points clear thanks to Southampton um, in terms of Champions League qualifying. And it's been a pretty incredible season. You just have two teams at the top that are sort of just running away with uh, things. So I, I obviously everybody has their preferences. Loftus Cheek is someone that I think most Chelsea people, because he's come up through uh, through the uh, the U squad, uh, somebody that everyone has been wanting to see get the opportunity. Ross Barkley just seems to be uh, a real catalyst for uh, for goals and in, uh, in timely occasions. And Kovacic has you sort of scratching your head because there's so many goals on the table for that position inside his offense, uh, inside his attacking. Yet. Uh, He's not really showing up at all in the goal-scoring sheet. You can count on Conte more than you can count on Kovacic, and that's not something that anybody had entering this season. <laughs> right. No, I, that, it's a really good point. I mean, it's it's kind of funny, though. Just touch on Ruben. It's, so now he's playing uh, inside forward or attacking wing, I guess you could say, and central mid. But, it, I mean, I think his flexibility helps because now we can play Ruben and Ross Barkley at the same time. Um, just Ross, my man, you might want to zone in on that, that shot you had out there. It was uh, a little wild. That's okay. All right. Uh, moving on to Ed Nazard, right? So this is now second match in a row, second Premier League match in a row. Uh, they just played the false nine. And obviously with, as Dan kind of talked about, uh, Naz saying that he didn't think that this would be a go-to approach most of the time. Um, here we are. It's two in the spin. Uh, Mike, what, do you think that he? this is more of a long-term play with Eden? And, and, the, and the, what I'm thinking of, is this going to make him happy? He talked about he doesn't really touch the ball, but I think that's more of a city. I think maybe Maurizio is even using this to show him, like, look, no, actually you can be involved a lot more in this role uh, to keep him happy. Is this, I guess, long-term strategy for Eden and Maurizio? Uh, it leads to all sorts of speculation. Um, I, I, I'm not entirely sure. I can, I can I reserve judgment of because course. it's, it's, it's been, uh, it's just been two games and I'm not, I'm not so sure what the, uh, yeah, I was really surprised to see him play the false nine against Brighton. But is that sort of the opinion of everyone here on this pod? I, I thought this was a sort of, reaction to Manchester City being overwhelming and Saudi trying to do something different and him trying to get out there against Brighton was a bit surprising. So I'm not entirely sure what the play is here. I think the play for Saudi is to get three points. Um, I'm not so sure it's to uh, placate to Eden Hazard and trying to make him happy because this style has generally made him happy uh, if we judge him by his quotes uh, all season long. So I'm not really sure what the plan is here, but as long as Chelsea keeps getting three points, I'm going to enjoy the ride. Yeah, I, I think it's a product of, unfortunately, Morata coming off injured uh, early on Thursday against Vidi and then Giroud uh, having to you know, come on. Uh, maybe maybe Mauricio didn't want to have to use Giroud against, um, against Vidi, and obviously Hazard was rested. He, he didn't even... Uh, go on that uh, away day. So m- maybe that's the reason. But I, I also think, you know, we- we've talked about this as a, as a show before too, Mike. Uh, you know, if if our strikers, 1A and 1B, are not contributing consistent goals, and I know Giroud's come on as of late, but um, if, if we know for a fact that, you know, neither one of those guys is going to get 20 goals this season – and we have a guy in Eden Hazard who is definitely capable of doing that, then like, do you just play the odds and, and try and go small and, and, you know, interchange and have Pedro and Williams swap wings every once in a while and, you know, try and confuse the hell out of a admittedly slow Brighton. I thought that might've been the, 
the play. And I, I think it worked pretty well in the first half. And then there wasn't anything to really look at in the second. Yeah, it, it, it's very clearly because of what you just outlined, our, our best option at the moment. And to turn to a world-class player like Eden Hazard, there, there, are, there are worse uh, situations that uh, you could be in. Um, it's pretty, it has potential to be something that's fascinating, but I think it just might be a product of fitness and form uh, at the moment. Um, it'll be interesting to see how we sort of rely on that as you get into the holiday fixtures and the game starts stacking up. Um, what exactly the approach is? Maybe this is an opportunity, depending on Murata's fitness, to get his confidence going because he should be playing a little bit more regularly. Um, if I had to venture a guess, I'd say the plan isn't for Eden Hazard to be this sort of false nine from here on out. Um, I'll leave that to you guys to discuss, but uh, who knows? This is all very new for us. This style, this manager, and he seems to be figuring things out as we go along here. I mean, City and Liverpool are both doing it with small attacks. I think that people are finding new ways to be effective in the Premier League without having to have maybe a, a big, strong target man like Chelsea have had so much success with. So, you know, it can be a new era a little bit in the Premier League and um, well, well, time will only tell, obviously, uh, but it is worth pointing out. Thank you to uh, Captain Skull Twenty Two uh, on the Chelsea subreddit saying Ed Nazard has now contributed to more goals and assists than the entire last season in the Premier League. That is, so what he's got eighteen goals and assists this season. Is that nine and nine, right, Dan? Eight goals, uh, nine assists. Eight, eight goals, nine assists, or so seventeen. All right, you know, either way, maths. It is. Maths, it is what it is. And so it's sixteen last season, thirty-four appearances. Uh, obviously, last season is a probably not the best benchmark to use because it was a little bit of rough going. But the fact that he's already at seventeen means he's on pace to have his best goal assist season ever, and that is exciting. When you talk about what's going to keep Chelsea firmly locked in the conversation for top four. And if, you know, these top two maybe slip up at some point here, we know one of them does have it, you know, genetically, you know, predisposition. Um, We could find ourselves, you know, back in that conversation. So uh, excellent to see Ed in, in this form, and it's been pretty exciting. All right. Well, how about this? So when we signed Maurizio Sarri, he was very, very clear that he is not a checkbook manager right he is he likes to coach he likes to do his work on the training pitch uh, and not so much in just scouting so uh, with that being said uh, Nick who do you think has improved the most under Maurizio who do I think has improved the most let's see that is really interesting all right, it time's could, up. No, I'm just kidding. It, all right, it could be it could be Rudiger. It could be Rudiger Ooh. to this point. Um, and I, not to say that he had a hell of a lot of room to improve because I, I think we all uh, respect his game and, and think that he's you know kind of has future captain kind of written all over him um, just due to some of the leadership. But uh, I'll I'll give a sneak preview for our, our shows with Joe Tweeds this week. Joe basically said it, you know, when when considering center back pairings, it's it's uh, Antonio Rudiger and someone, right? So, point being that he's he's the stalwart, and I think he's had uh, easily some of the best performances of his Chelsea career uh, this year uh, as compared to last. And uh, I think uh, I think he could be developed even further, maybe not toward you know. Maybe maybe not like a Koulibaly type, Brandon, but um, I think he still has a little ways to go, but uh, he's certainly impressed me this year. I like it. Uh, Dan, who do you think has improved the most? Uh, the, the only thing I would say to, to counter Nick's point there is there's still the times where he is looking off uh, the line and kind of the awareness of where he's at to playing someone on or off sides. So I'm sure it will be addressed by our wonderful coach, Um so sorry, but there, I think there's still some some opportunity though. Even though we did have some people tweet at us with the, you know, gifts from the movie Rudy indicating that because uh, we, we did a poll of this <laughs> that uh, they believe Nick is correct when they talk about Rudiger. But 
to answer your question, Brandon, and get there, you know, with a little bit of a preamble, I'm, I would say Eden Hazard, but I think Eden Hazard was already on this little bit of rise when you saw what he was doing at the World Cup, and Sari has basically just positionally set him up to continue that run. When I think about someone who is being coached to play the game differently, who is now earned trust, which is, you know, a reflection of the fact that that player has grown in their skill set and their ability, a player that maybe has even scored a hat trick this season. Uh, I'm going straight to Ruben Loftus-Cheek. You know, I think it's Ooh. easy to Ooh. wax poetic about Eden Hazard, and I think Eden Hazard has so much natural talent that, um, you know, you could basically put him in the sun if he was a plant and he would bloom and you wouldn't have to water him. Like he would just, it would just happen. You know, Loftus cheek needs that investment, needs that time. And, you know, it started to be comfortable in multiple positions, which is something we've seen him under other managers struggle with. He's earned actual playing minutes versus not potentially being played or being played intermittently under you know, Hitting or, under Mourinho, uh, so, you know, played, you know, preseason, you know, inadequately in by Antonio Conte. So the fact that we're seeing him regularly, that he's being integrated in the squad, that he is poised to, I think, take the third midfielder position at some point in this season, um, he is the person that I would say that Mauricio Sarri has found a way to start unlocking his talents. And that is super, super exciting because he really has the skill set to kind of do it all and other Premier League teams should be scared. Uh so you had how many players in that answer? Oh no, okay. Anyways. Ed Nazard, I find that tough for me. He did take about a month off, it kind of seemed like. Uh me personally, I think that the person who you've seen the biggest improvement from uh, since Maurizio Sarri took over, uh, is Angola Conte. And that is because Whoa. he is doing something Whoa, really? he's never done before. Oh, he's, he's, he's an attack. He, he's not doing what he's done to win two Premier League titles in a world cup. He is doing something completely different. And I think that he's improved because his stats were terrible in kind of those areas. And now all of a sudden he's really growing into it and again it's not saying Golo Conte was a bad player he's now a new player under Mauricio sorry which I think is the most difficult thing look Rudiger he was always a ball winning center back he still is uh when it comes to Ed Nazard he is still a luxury player that only attacks and goes and scores goals um I'm open to Ruben I think that's a good shout uh, again for me you took someone who was at the best of the best in the world doing one thing and said, actually, I want you to do something else. And he's responded really well to it. So, uh, Mike, the floor is yours. Wow. That one, it's a bit of hot take. Like it's it's <laughs> been agree. kind of a boring pod. If I'm being honest, I'm really trying to inject some controversy. Wow. Wow. Come uh, awesome. Just Good kidding. to go. The guy, the guy takes five shows off and comes back and now we're boring, Hey-o. you know, and unbelievable. Yeah, he has two goals. I mean, <laughs> I stand by what I said. All right. Uh, for me, it's not so much um, how well they're playing this year. It's really just a comparison of what they were last year and their general fitness. Uh, but for me, I think the answer is really easy. Um, it's Ross Barkley. He gave you that incredible moment, that equalizer against Manchester United. No one really came into this season really sort of counting on Ross Barkley to give you anything, really. And uh, early on, um, Saudi sort of took to him, um, and he trusts him. His, 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 it's sort of weird, the rotation right now uh, for this club. I, I still would think that we'd see him a, a bit more, but considering that um, it looked like a disaster signing and um, one that... Uh, just might be a source of embarrassment for Chelsea fans to be getting anything out of Ross Barkley. Um, and to be just, I watch Chelsea games now and I'm saying, you know, this game could really use Ross Barkley. It's just absurd that I'm saying that considering what, uh, what it was when it first started over here. So I'm going to go with Ross Barkley. I think it's a great show. Honestly. I mean, he was always a knock, uh, couldn't even pass a medical, 
whatever you want to call it last season. Uh, really, really written off, especially under Antonio Conte. And uh, yeah, I mean, he is a player that now you turn to uh, for a spark, uh, for a dose of creativity. Uh, and so, and, and I just love reading all the stories about him. You know, he got his tattoos removed. He got a lot of people out of his life. He is so focused on his career. Uh, it, he's absolutely revolutionized himself and he deserves every single bit of credit that he's gotten this season. Um, so, you know, Brandon, Brandon, you call, you call it a failed medical. I call it being so Chelsea through and through. He made sure that we got a discount right. on the fee that we paid for him. Well, Hey, they give him more credit if that's how it, how it worked. Um, uh, but, but prop. so, but here, here's the other thing. So I think we, we did get some shouts for, um, so we did a poll on this. So Eden Hazard with 51% of the vote, Ruben Loftus-Cheek with 37%. Azpilicueta was 6%, and N'Golo Conte was 6%. And we did get a shout-out for Barkley. We got a couple shouts for Rudiger. I think Pedro is you know, not necessarily a fair statement to say because he's played in the you know, vertical tiki-taka or tiki-taka system, so he's just getting to go back to playing in a way that really favors his play style. I don't know if he's necessarily improved because he's still doing about 50 miles of running in a singular match. And you would imagine at some point that if he was being coached up, that maybe he could run 30 and make it more meaningful. Maybe. Uh, I don't know. I I think that's just always been his game is to be a nuisance. And, um, and then, you know, conversely, when he has the opportunities to be a clinical finisher um, in the way that William just never has been. Um, so I, I think, you know, he he would have been maybe my prediction for for you know kind of a standout player under sorry at the beginning of the season, but yeah, I actually you know I don't think Aspilicueta makes my list uh, as much as I love him to death. I, I think he's had some kind of off performances. Uh, you know, Angola wouldn't have made my list either, uh, and I love him to death too. Those are probably my two favorite players on the team. Uh, Ruben's a good shout. Barkley's a great shout. Uh, you know, I. I, I struggle with the hazard one too, and we can wrap on this, but I, I struggle with hazard too, because we, we said going into the year, there was a chance he could have been the best player in the world. And I don't know if any coach in the world, I mean, if he's, if he plays well under Roberto Martinez, <laughs> and I'm not sure like any coach in the world really makes a difference to him and his play style. Um, so I, you know, I just, I, I struggle with that piece, but, you know, he's obviously playing better than he did last year. He's, you know, obviously can turn it to a different level um, than, you know, anyone else in the league when he really wants to. But yeah, I would, I would go, I would go with Ruben with Barkley or with Rudiger personally. All right. Well, you know, it's, uh, it's out there for our listeners to get involved in now and jump in and let us know what you think. Obviously it's most improved, not necessarily most valuable. So there's a lot of room for debate and we would love Love, love to have it with you. Uh, now, I guess, uh, as we head to the end uh, part of the show, is there anything we missed from this match that uh, maybe we want to talk about, maybe discussed? Uh, I personally thought it was amusing to see seagulls flying around in front of the cameras today. Um, they, they take it seriously down there on the coast. They clearly do. Yeah, they released all those just ahead of the game. Brandon. Distractions. Uh, it was really, it was, it was, it was a beautiful ceremony. Um, no, I... I I really do want to touch on Ruben really quick. I think there were, you know, obviously he came on uh, midway through the second half and uh, the way he can carry the ball is just something special. Uh, I, I can't emphasize that enough. I think uh, he, he did this stop turn and almost had an assist in the box that basically left uh Brighton defender to be uh, to not name any names here, but, left him and his jockstrap on the ground tumbling into the stands. I mean, his ability to stop start and, uh, and to, to make plays, I think could be really special for this team down the stretch. So, uh, really intrigued by his performance today. Intrigued. I got something from the game that I don't think, uh, we've really discussed and we can cover it briefly, but, um, Alonso in a crucial moment got beat and was probably oh. lucky and 
was probably lucky to get a yellow. Do you guys think he should have been sent off? You mean the people's elbow? He was really watching some <laughs> WWE highlights, and he just he was in the mood. You know, I get it. I understand. I've done that before. Well, I, I you know what, Mike? Probably the, the one thing that saved him was the distance to goal, right? I think that's probably it, if I had to guess. But yikes. Uh, that would have... It, it was bad. It yeah. was bad. Like, let's just call a spade a spade. Like, he had a really bad game again. This is, uh, it's been a concerning December for Marcus Alonso and his form at Chelsea. And, uh, and I, you know, frankly, I mean, I, I'll pose this to you, Brandon. I'm going to take over your job again. What do you, what do you, if you're Maurizio, sorry, what do you do with him right now? Because he's clearly not playing up to his potential i mean if he would have hit that goal that he was unlucky not to score then a lot of people forget about how bad his defending was today but man what do you do uh you know he's time's he's up had a time's bit, up you know he's had, a, he's had a bit of a a history of that he can come good offensively uh i mean look he's flirted with red cards in the past ever since he's been at Chelsea I mean he's got that in him the fact that we haven't really seen it is probably a bit luck on his part but you remember he uh, lashed out a couple seasons ago and absolutely just stomped on someone got away with it um, I think he got a retrospective ban on it but it's just to me he's uh it's always been in his game and it's not great now it's crazy even a lot of uh, other pundits and journalists talked about this emerson palmieri can't get minutes no matter what he does he can't get minutes you know and to credit to alonzo he's played every single minute in the premier league so Maurizio sorry has his mind made up and that's tough and so honestly i think that's the only way palmieri is going to get in is if alonzo gets sent off and it has a forced suspension in the premier league it seems like uh no matter what he's not gonna change it and you know mike to kind of your point of we got lucky, we got away with it. I think you're right. And uh, it's just something we're going to have to watch and see if it costs us later on in the season. But so far, he is riding that line about as close to uh, hurting us big time as he possibly can and still getting away with it. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't really know. Yeah, maybe, Mike Ryan, you have a, 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 a different opinion here, but I, I don't know if you can keep playing him as it stands. I think something needs to change because – there, he's even playing back. It's not like he's attacking that much anymore. You got forward a couple times today, but it wasn't as if he was constantly in the opponent's box, um, you know, like he was earlier in the season. I'm just, I, I'm kind of stumped on this one. It's hard to make sense of his role on this team when he's not um, one of the world's best uh, attacking uh, backs. Uh, it's, um, when the goals aren't there, when the, the set-piece brilliance isn't there, it's kind of throw your arms up in the air, why are we doing this? But the reason might just be he's the best option. I mean, it has to be, right? But, you know, we trust Maurizio Sarri and all the other decisions. So you just kind of got to fall in line on that. Uh, Dan, anything else that you want to pull out of this one? No, no, I think we've uh, I think we've covered it all, Brandon. All right, we're well, ready to go to the man of the match poll. Yeah, you say you know what's next. Run with it, man. All right, so it's pretty simple. It was very easy actually this week, and Ed Nizard was the only true answer. Eighty uh, percent of people selected that option, but Nick, I did throw some spicy extras in there, mainly for you. Uh, Mourinho benching Pogba <laughs> was uh, gained six percent of the vote. Uh, Pogba's Instagram story today and cool. response to cool. wait, I haven't Mourinho seen it. Benching Pogba. I haven't seen it, guys. No, nah, it, it, it was more just a joke. It was more a joke. Oh no! Yeah. Damn it! <laughs> yeah, five percent. What you? What you get for for not being for not being a part of the process here? You know. <laughs> yeah, five percent of the vote, and then uh, Charlie Austin, who uh, put Southampton ahead and made sure that Arsenal uh, did not stay level with us on points. Nine um, percent. Can I clearly say though? I mean, when when you think about the multiple, so each team in the top five right now has had over a twenty game unbeaten streak this year. Like, do you know how insane that is for the Premier League? Because typically, there's, you know, we said at the beginning of the show, the Premier League is just really tough. Maybe it isn't. Maybe it's not as much as as we'd like. I mean, obviously Southampton got one over on Arsenal today, but I mean. It's it's ridiculous because Spurs had theirs broken by Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal had theirs broken by Southampton. We ended cities. Uh, someone ended Liverpool's, I forget. And, you know, it's just like, holy hell, man. Like, these top five teams are 
are just a cut above everything else. And Manchester United's horrible. They're just I'm horrible. actually I'm big on that. I haven't really gotten public with my my emotions, my feelings, Nick. But I appreciate you uh, giving me the opportunity here. I I don't. I think the teams in Spain and Italy roll their middle and lower table of opposition. And I think that just teams in the Premier League, whether it's because they don't get a break, whatever, I actually I just think we just drop points. It's just less consistent for whatever reason. And maybe it's a lot of climate differences. It's like spitting rain and Liverpool and United. I don't know. I just personally think that um, teams Look, I you know why I think that is because in Europe, other countries over and over again perform better than English teams, and I don't think that's because of the Premier League. Personally, I mean maybe, but I mean to have five teams all with twenty plus match unbeaten streaks, like signifies to me that the the golfing class between the top, you know, five six and you know Brighton is so significant at times that. If you if you have the right run of fixtures, Mike, that you know you if you're a a top five team that you can just kind of run the league for you know as, as long as humanly possible. Yeah, um, Mourinho sort of pointed out <laughs> as he's wont to do uh, the sort of discrepancy in uh, in early fixtures how he feels Manchester United has had a tougher run of it. I, I think Chelsea. Um, played a, a lot of top six teams and maybe some of the teams in the top half that had uh, some good run um, had some uh, easier uh, fixtures. But we just lost to Wolves uh, not too long ago, so it's plenty tough for me. <laughs> uh, Wolves, though, uh, only one point behind Mourinho's Manchester United. Yeah, wow. let's go ahead and look at that. So uh, top of the table, still Liverpool. Uh, yeah. So anyways, they're on 45 points. Man City remain in second on 44. Tottenham remain in third on 39. And Chelsea rounding out the top four on 37. Arsenal stayed fifth on 34. And now the big drop, United in sixth on 26 points. So the top six teams all remain unchanged. As Dan mentioned, Wolves jumping up to seventh, West Ham jumping up to ninth, uh, Leicester City actually, and Bournemouth, who were knocking around the European spots, are in a 12th place for Leicester, 11th for Bournemouth. Newcastle still trying to claw their way out, but it is now Fulham, and now Huddersfield and Burnley have dropped into the relegation zone with them. Southampton making moves with that managerial change up to 17th. It's... uh. You know, nine points for Fulham from 17 matches played, 10 wow. points for Huddersfield, and 12 points for Burnley. So it's not so great if you're down there, but hey, don't worry. We're not there. We're not anywhere near there. Uh, in fact, we are uh, going to be taking on Leicester City next in our next Premier League match. But before that, it will be uh, the Carabao Cup taking on Bournemouth. Isn't that right, gentlemen? You touch on that in part two slash three? Uh, we we no, did we, not really, okay. but... When you talk about Fulham going down, I think, you know, if they go back to the championship, there's a great opportunity to a little ground share option maybe as we look to eventually redevelop the stadium versus having to use Wembley because that's worked so well for Tottenham. Uh, uh, maybe. Um, hot take. I think that any a lot of players, I think like a Moses could go to Fulham in January. Or a Cahill. Yeah, I think, mo- yeah, I think both of them. Drink, <laughs> drink water. We just offload just send, people to them. Yeah, just send all three, all three of them. Just screw it, Murata. Like we'll send him too. <laughs> oh my uh, god! Well, I take that back. I He's did. going to Barcelona. He already had a chat with them. It's all, it's all done. You heard it here first. No, you guys didn't hear that. Where he offered himself to Barcelona? No one, no one biting on that one. I don't think Barcelona's biting on that. Jordi one. <laughs> Alba said uh, they would love him there. I'm also just want to make a quick breaking announcement that. Uh, I am also offering my services to Barcelona uh, from a podcasting perspective. I think that I bring a good voice. Um, so I'm sure we'll be in touch uh, with that team over there or or not, because that's a terrible rumor. And yeah, what you really should have done, though, is you should have offered yourself to PSG because they still haven't gotten fined or slapped their hand yet for all the financial fair play issues. Uh, and oh, good point. You know, and they uh, spend money. And they, they spend do spend cash. money. Yeah. So just uh, something to consider. You know, if you're going to offer yourself up, don't don't cheap out, Nick. You can be my agent, Dan. You're, you're, yeah. 
All right. Uh, well, anyways, that'll wrap it up. Join Rock Nation. Mike, Ryan, thank you. A huge thank you for hanging out with us. I know yeah, you're man. busy, but you love talking about Chelsea, and so we are so glad to have you on. Oh, honored to be on. Thank you for having me again, and I'll see you guys out there. Super, super nice. Sounds good. All right, Chelsea fans, well, that'll wrap it up again. We got a big part two and three this week coming at you, so make sure to tune into that. As always, it was a pleasure talking with you all. And until next time, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.